done fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Hall And their dog Ninja Hey guys, welcome to episode 282 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. You know, this has been a very fast week, first of all. This has been a very fast week. You are exactly right. So Tracy, obviously we want to start off by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you for everything that you do and a big massive shout out to everybody that's helped in the uh, tornado ravaged uh, states that that uh, over this past weekend, obviously there were, I think five states involved: Missouri, Illinois, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, and um, massive casualties in almost every one of these locations. It's uh, one of the biggest natural disasters that I've seen in our area, right? Uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, it's very devastating, heartbreaking, and. You know, just sometimes you just say this cannot be happening. But we do appreciate all the people that are going there to help out and with all their efforts. We want to say a huge thank you to you guys for donating some money for that relief fund. You guys are, I just want to cry because you guys have been so amazing and we cannot thank you guys enough. And for those of you who aren't sure what she's talking about, because not everybody's in the uh, the group and, and what have you, one of the hardest hit areas uh, was down in Mayfield, Kentucky. It's in the western part of the state, about four hours from us. And we decided once this happened, we quickly put together uh, a plan to go down there on Wednesday and take a bunch of supplies. And initially it was just going to be us mm-hmm. gathering some stuff up on, on our own and going down. And we decided to open it up to you guys and from about, I guess, 4 or 5 o'clock yesterday until uh, this time today, you guys have contributed over $1,400. Actually, it's more than that. That's what I said, over. Oh, yeah. No, it's more closer to 2000 now. Um, we had a friend. Oh, yeah. I forgot you're considering yeah. that. I'm my, but, my, yeah. yeah. We also had a friend that her family has also donated money and stuff so all together it's just mind-blowing that you guys came so quick and to help and we cannot thank you guys enough it means the world to us and we're we are more than happy to take this stuff down there i wish there was more that we could do because i mean but what can you do you know all you can try to do is support be there pray you know uh for this and i don't know yeah, Tra- Tracy's friend wanted to get on board, and she got some of her family members helped out. And I know when we talked to her earlier, she went to Costco and had purchased $500 worth of stuff for us to pick up and take with us. Yeah, so well, thank you so much, sweetheart, for doing that. And, 
you guys are amazing to us every single day and you never disappoint and um we just we love you all with all our hearts and this is what it's about at christmas time which is a terrible thing to happen at christmas time but when the pouring of love comes out to help people that's what it's all about yeah and and you guys like you said you know a couple of years ago we welcomed a, a family that was on down under luck into our house for christmas and then you guys helped out with some of that. Yeah, you sure did. Last year, we had another family in need in our in our group, and uh, I think we ended up giving seventeen hundred dollars collected for them. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, in one day, you guys contributed you know almost two thousand dollars. It's amazing to help out here, and we are so grateful that we have a platform to be able to reach out and help. But even more thankful that you guys are part of our extended family. Yes. We couldn't have done it without you guys. Um, like Jerry said, we are very grateful for you guys. And we will never forget what you all have done for us. And with that being said, you know, not everybody's in the group. Not everybody saw the post. But if you guys would want to contribute, what we're doing is we're going down. There's a, a couple of churches down in the area that are very hard hit that are uh, distributing uh, this stuff out to people in need and uh, what they needed were like basics, uh, baby food, baby formula, wipes, diapers, uh, toiletry items, uh, you know, soap and uh, shaving cream, razors, stuff like that. And what we're doing is we went out today and spent the first $450 on a bunch of baby food and formula mm-hmm. and stuff like that uh, to get going. And then, uh, like I said, we're going to go out over the next couple of days and, and pick up some other stuff. But that's the necessities they're needing, and if you guys would want to contribute, if you go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com, there is a donate button. It's just a donate to the show. It doesn't say anything about the tornado relief, but anything we receive off of that over the next, uh, all the way up to Wednesday, uh, we're just going to use towards this fund. Yeah, so, absolutely. So if you want to contribute, there's there's a way you can. If not, that's completely fine, of too. Of course, of We're course. completely thrilled with what we got. But just if you want prayers. To, yeah. Even prayers will help. Yeah, absolutely. But if you want to help, that's, an, that's a, you know, if you want to send a couple of dollars or something, we'll purchase everything uh, at, and then take it down there to them. So Yeah. You guys are awesome. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk, uh, obviously, before we get into that, we want to make sure, because, I mean, now's a more perfect time than any to speak about this is, you know, if you're struggling right now uh, mentally, and trust me, there's a lot of people in these five states that have been affected uh, by this that I'm sure are going through a rough time. And, uh, you know, there's a candle factory or uh, down in, in this part where we're going in Mayfield. I mean, there was 110 people in there, and they're expecting almost half of those people to not be found alive. Those friends and family members of those people are going to struggle this time of year with with the death of loved ones and um, some people and there are families at work so there could be people lose multiple members of their family from this catastrophic event same thing in uh, the amazon warehouse up in mm-hmm. uh, illinois i mean people are going to struggle and we just want people to know if you if you're struggling this time of year whether it be for that or for anything else please know that we're here for you if you need to talk of course. Uh, I've spent the last three days talking to several people. That mm-hmm. it just, it's like I said, this time of year, even without these things happening, this time of year is tough on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We're here for you. The group is there for you if you want to join the group uh, or yeah, tracing. You can call the hotline at 1-800-273-8255. 
You can also text at 741 and uh, actually somebody said, told me the other day that they, I think they sent a text and they said they got a response like immediately. Nice. Yeah. So that's good to know. So, but we love you guys and you know, we can all get through this and you know, just keep on praying. Like I said, normally we like to jump into the show a little bit quicker, but I felt like this stuff needed to be addressed yeah, at the very beginning. Yeah, so. yeah. Very, very, we need to talk about it, so. Yeah, and it's, you know, we'll try to get back in a better mood, but it's it's uh, it's very somber around here because the stories just seem to keep getting worse as the updates come out, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's hard. Our focus, obviously, in the past day has been more on trying to get stuff together than it has been the show, uh, you know, not to say that the show's not important, obviously, but. You know, some of this stuff is takes a little more precedence, but the research and everything was already done for this week, so it okay. shouldn't, shouldn't be an issue. All right. Sounds good, baby. I thought what we would do today is something a, a little different because, uh, well, let me just jump into it. Usually we cover haunted locations and some true crime and stuff like that. Now, these are all obviously stories, but... Last week's story that we did from Minnesota was a little bit different because most of the shows we do are, are like a, just a breakdown of the facts in chronological order, right? Right. Last week's was really just a story start to finish. And I like that. That Those stories are more like campfire stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. So I started thinking... Maybe we should do some more stories like that. Now, I'm not saying we're doing it every week. Yeah. But. We can switch it up. Right. So I thought that maybe we could do something like that this week. So I started thinking of storytelling like that reminds me of more folklore. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking, well, what's a state that we haven't done a lot of stories from? And I came up with Arkansas. I mean, okay. obviously, we've done the Crescent Hotel and mm-hmm. uh, the creature of, uh, or the uh, Bogey Creek monster, and we've done those two. That's the two main ones we've done from Arkansas. So I thought there's got to be more from that state, obviously, that we've just overlooked over the years. So today we're going to do some stories from the great state of Arkansas. So are you excited about that? Yeah. We spent a lot of time driving through Arkansas on this mm-hmm. last trip to Texas. We sure did. About 125 years ago, there was a doctor by the name of Ferdinand Smith. He was from Missouri, and he decided that he wanted to move his family to Locksburg, Arkansas. Now, this was a small settlement in the southwestern part of the state. At the time, the town had no physician, and Dr. Smith, being a dedicated healer, he wanted to go to where he was most needed. Sounds like a plan. His wife, Isabella, and the children were very excited about this move. In fact, they looked at it as an adventure. Well, good for them. I mean, you're talking about a time back when... There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do. (laughs) So, I mean, traveling from one place to another, I mean, that's got to be pretty exciting. Of course. Most of the family talked very fondly about the move for years after. Most of which, except for Genevieve, who was six years old at the time. That's because Jenny, as she was mainly called was the only one of the family to witness a murder. Oh, poor baby. Now, you're going to like how this turns out. Oh, good. Maybe not. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) 
You got me coming and going here. So the fifth, let me let me go all the way back to the beginning. So the Smith family they leave Missouri. This was early summertime. Miss Smith drove the family wagon down with the children. She had a few necessities like food, clothes, and camping equipment. The furniture and stuff would all be brought by a wagon train at a later time. But they didn't need that stuff right now. Dr. Smith acted as the uh, scout. So he rode his horse ahead of the wagon just to make sure there wasn't any surprises Mm -hmm. along the way. He was not easily frightened, but he did wear a pair of guns, one on each side, to ease his wife's concerns. After all, they were going to be traveling through some unsettled territory, and she was concerned about being held up by some ruffians. I like that she used the term ruffian. Mm -hmm. Isabella was a pretty good shot herself, and she actually had a couple of rifles on board the wagon with her as well. So the family enjoyed the trip over the hills and the plains because they had never been this way before. They cooked their food out on an open campfire under the stars. Mm -hmm. Whenever they passed other wagons on the opposite direction, they would kind of wave, and sometimes they would even share a meal together. So this this was a fun trip. The kids initially loved meeting all the new friends and traveling, but eventually it was no longer fun. In fact, it was long and tedious. Hmm. I can hear him. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? (laughs) Get that horse going any faster? Almost. Just 34 more days. (laughs) So after they crossed the Arkansas border, progress actually slowed down as the horses kind of plodded through the red clay soil that was now sticky because of recent rains. So you can imagine this stuff just clumping yeah. onto the horse's feet. No. Not, not a good thing. But the family made it to their new home after two months on the road. Even with the few delays that they had because of the, you know, terrain and what have you, they still arrived a little bit early. So it was possible that their house might not be quite ready yet since they're showing up early. Oh, dang. This would mean that they would have to find some kind of temporary shelter. So to make matters worse... Jenny now had been sick for several days, and she seemed to be seriously ill. They definitely could not sleep outside another night. So, Dr. Smith, he tied his horse up in front of the general store. He went inside and introduced himself to the store owner, R.A. Gilman. Now, Gilman explained that he was glad that the good doctor was actually there early, but as feared, the house wasn't ready. Aww. It would still be a few days, as a matter of fact before it would be ready. So Dr. Smith completely understood, and he asked if there was a place that they might be able to rent for a couple of days. Gilman offered a space in his house, but the doctor politely declined. This might seem kind of rude or picky, but really it was neither one. He just didn't want to impose on on the gentleman, and he also didn't want to bring a sick kid into his house. Right. Well, that was nice. So Gilman thought for a second... And he said, you know what? There's a log house at the edge of the village. The owner had apparently recently died, and the ladies in town had been keeping it tidy. In fact, they even joked that it could be their town hotel. Oh. (laughs) The log home was in a grove of sycamore trees. It looked to be in fantastic shape, and it was just absolutely beautiful. The doctor was excited to spend his time there for at least a couple of days. So he tied up his horse, he removed the saddle, the bridle, and the blanket, and he took it inside the house. 
He did this while the family was waiting in the wagon. Again, he wants to check out the place first. That's what a good daddy does. In one corner of the front room, the doctor noticed that there was a large blood stain on the floor. Oh, boy. So he dropped the saddle on the spot to cover it up, and he went out to get the family. They only unloaded the necessary items for the night. No sense in unpacking everything. They had to load it right back up in two days. Yeah, right. Isabella made up the uh, beds in the back bedroom, and then... The doctor actually made up the bed for Jenny in the front room. His plan was to sit up with her all night long and give her the medicine that she required and to make sure everything was all right with her. Around midnight, the girl became delirious. She screamed that she saw four men playing cards across the room from her. They were dark, ugly men. Suddenly, three of the men stood up threw down their cards, and pulled knives out of their belts. She screamed, Daddy, Daddy, they're killing that man in the chair. Dr. Smith held his daughter's hand in his and soothingly asked her what the men looked like. She described the men fully. Red shirts, open at the neck, brown shapeless pants, tucked into dirt-caked boots, and hats pulled low onto their forehead. That's pretty script. Um, yeah. For a six-year-old, even. You know? She sobbed as she told her father that the man screamed as he fell to the floor and lay motionless. He had been stabbed in the chest and then twice more in the back after he fell. The three men stomped out the door. Little Jenny covered her ears as tears welled up in her eye. Daddy, the blood's all over the floor, Jenny cried as she gripped her father's fingers with both hands. Dr. Smith saw absolutely nothing. Oh, it's where the saddle was, I bet. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Isabella and the other children ran into the room because they were awoken by Jenny's screams. And the doctor told them that everything was okay. Jenny just had a terrible nightmare. They needed to go back to bed and get some sleep. Jenny fell into a deep sleep herself, The doctor lay beside her on a pallet, and he pondered the significance of what Jenny had seen. None of the children had ever had nightmares before. Hmm. And none of them had ever had any type of hallucination, not even when they had a high fever. He was uneasy, so he got no sleep whatsoever. The next morning, the doctor visited the general store, and he talked to Mr. Gilman. Uh, Gilman inquired about Jenny and was glad to hear that she was doing much better. Then the doctor asked Gilman the key question. What can you tell me about the house that we're staying in? Has anyone stayed there recently? So Gilman hesitated as he stocked the groceries on the shelves. He said not for several weeks. That was when four strangers showed up during a hellacious rainstorm, and they asked about shelter. As I did with you, I told them about that place. They stayed there for one night. They were a little rough-looking, but pleasant enough. Mm -hmm. His description of the men matched the description that Jenny had given, and a cold chill swept over the doctor. So then came the next question. Tell me, Gilman, was there ever any trouble in the house? Gilman, with his back to the doctor, said, Trouble? 
To which the doctor replied, A murder, perhaps? Gilman slowly turned around and was face to face with the doctor. Yes, as a matter of fact, there was a brawl that night that those men stayed there. One of them was stabbed to death. Oh, good grief. Two women found the body the very next morning when they came to tidy up. They never found out his name. They just had a little service for him and buried him in the cemetery. Then Gilman asked how he knew about what had taken place. The doctor explained that there was this huge blood stain on the floor in the front room. So Gilman nodded and he said, yeah, the ladies scrubbed and scrubbed, but they never could get rid of it. One of the ladies says that the stain seems to grow every time she sees it. Gilman said that it sure was strange that those killers just got clean away. So about this time, the bell over the door rings because somebody had walked in. And Gilman leaned over to the doctor and whispered, We don't like to talk about it. After Dr. Smith moved his family into their new home, he learned that the cabin was generally thought to be haunted by the people in the village. Several caretakers had also experienced the reenactment of the bloody brawl that happened that night, and then all of them refused to go near the cabin again. Some swore that they heard the shrieks of a dying man. Eventually, the cabin became abandoned and was taken over by the elements, and Jenny eventually grew up and married a gentleman by the name of James King of Oklahoma. She never forgot about her terrifying experience, and whenever someone brought up ghosts, she remained silent, but mindful that there are events that cannot be explained. It's so bizarre how a little kid can see all that, and it's exactly how it was. It's exactly how it was. Well... What do you think? I think it was a good story. All right, so I wonder I w- why she was sick. Well, I mean, it's the 1800s. I mean, I'm sure it could have been anything. Yeah. Could have been something they ate along the way. I'm sure they didn't have the best refrigeration and stuff. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. So since that story is not the longest story, I decided to do some folklore creatures slash cryptids. Okay. From Arkansas. So let's talk about a couple of beasts that exist in the Arkansas, according to legend. Of course, we all know about the Falk Monster. We talked about that, mm-hmm. Legend of Boggy Creek. And I always get that wrong. It's Boggy, Boggy Creek, Creek, I guess. But yeah. I always say, because bo- that's the way I always grew up hearing it. Yeah. That's the way I always grew up hearing it. <laughs> Yo, Hick. Anyways, did you know... That Arkansas has its own creature similar to the Loch Ness Monster. I did not know that. It's known as the White River Monster. Its nickname is Whitey. And tales go all the way back to 1912. At least that's the, the first documented report. Because some people believe that Whitey was responsible for capsizing boats during the Civil War in the 1860s. But back to 1912, the first official report. Timber workers reported seeing something strange floating at the bottom of the White River. Now, according to reports, it looked like a humongous turtle. 
they estimated that it weighed close to 300 pounds, which in all honesty, it doesn't seem all that big when you're comparing it to Nessie, because I got a feeling Nessie would be more than 300 pounds. Did you say it was a turtle? It said it looked like a humongous turtle. That's what they compared it to. So they get this hunting party together, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to capture this creature, but they were not successful. And we know this because there's been other sightings over the years. There were sporadic sightings over the next 35 years, but the next big one was in 1937. Well, maybe that turtle had babies. Maybe. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but every time you'll see, you'll see as we go that this thing gets bigger and bigger every story. Oh, okay. In July of 1937, a plantation owner by the name of Bramlett Bateman. You ever heard a name like Bramlett? No. He had a sighting. Not for a first name. Yeah, I've not heard it for a first name. But he had a sighting. He said he saw a gray-skinned monster in the White River near Newport. That was as wide as a car and the length of three cars. Well, that's See, pretty big. That's a lot bigger. Than oh, heck yeah, it is. His account made national news, and it was actually picked up by Time Magazine's August edition. Now we're going to jump ahead to 1971. Reports started happening again. Apparently, this thing likes to wake, make its appearance decades apart. Because <laughs> it went from 1912 to 1937 to 1970. That is bizarre. What do you hear the description here? Some say it has a horn protruding from its forehead, weighs close to 1,000 pounds, Others claim that that's 20 feet long with spikes coming off of its back. There are even reports that the creature leaves the river and leaves tracks on the land. What do these tracks look like, you wonder? I'm sure three they're deep toed, and hard. Three-toed and 14-inch apart. Or 14 Wait, inch tracks. it's got three toes? So it says three toes and 14 inches. Wow. The fascination with the story grew so much that Senator Robert Harvey signed a bill into legislation to protect it. The bill made it illegal to harm Whitey, since we're on a first-name basis, if he was in a certain section of White River. And that section was between Newport and Possum Grape. I don't know how you come up with a name like Possum Grape. But it was that area, that stretch of the river was called the White River Monster Refuge. So he didn't want nobody killing it if they saw it. Right. It was against the law. But what if he started to attack? Well, I mean, it's, you're getting too deep into the woods here. Aww. <laughs> so if there is a White River Monster, what exactly is it? The biggest theory is that it's a giant alligator snapping turtle. There's such a thing? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of snapping turtles, but... They can live up to 150 years. Whoa. They have a pointed head and a spiny back and can be up to 400 pounds. They can also appear to be gray in color. Well, there you go. Sounds it sounds like a lot. It. The, first, the first example said that it looked like a humongous turtle, so mm -hmm. I would say that's probably what it is. So then the big old turtle and the alligator got it on? I don't know if that's exactly what happened. Oh. I don't know that it's not physically possible. Can you imagine? But I don't know how many alligators are in uh, Arkansas. Well, that's true. 
Yeah, can you imagine having to have that body 150 years? <laughs> it's like, oh, man. <sighs> but he's always home. Stop. <laughs> you imagine when bill collectors come there? <laughs> yeah. Trying to tap on its shell. Don't act like you're not home. We know better. <laughs> so, Whitey isn't the only creature roaming around, according to Arkansas folklore, though. The Ozarks are said to be home of the Groro. Well, what the heck is a Groro? I think that's what Scooby says. Groro? Groro? <laughs> it's described as a wingless dragon. I think that's a dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) It's like saying a wingless fly. I know. Uh, That's a spider. Anyways, it's got two tusks in its head, webbed feet, and a spiky back. Oh, and a spear at the very end of its tail. And it's about 20 feet long. That's what it's described at. Heck on. Sounds like a monster. It feeds off of livestock and small animals. That makes sense. Now, there was a story written about it in the Arkansas Gazette on January 31st, 1897. It got its nickname, by the way, by apparently the sound that it makes. Oh. I guess grow, row. I don't know. I don't know what sound that would make. So the story goes that there was a, a Little Rock businessman. His name was William Miller, and he tried to capture it. He found a a hunting group who tracked the creature to a cave that supposedly was scattered with remains of humans and animals. Oh, no. Ugh. The Goro emerged from the lake that was right there by the cave. It put up a big fight, but supposedly was captured by Miller and his crew. So, obviously, when you capture something like that, what would you do? Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you, what do you do with it after you capture it? Sh- it's sure big enough, too big to mount on a wall, don't you think? You would think. Miller said that he sent it to Washington, D.C. to be put on display in the Smithsonian Institution. But the body never arrived, which leads most to believe that it was a hoax. Oh. Speaking of hoax, Vance Rudolph, he actually believes that the Goro did exist. And he thinks it's more of a species than a single creature, so they're like Mm -hmm, a family of them. Yeah. He had heard several stories over the years. One of them came from a cave explorer in in Devil's Hole. And another came from a man, get this, he claims that he lured it into captivity by feeding it so many apples that it got stuck in in a burrow. (laughs) Like a hole in the ground. (laughs) And get this, this person went on to charge 25 cents to any person who wanted to see the Goro. Here's the problem, though. Whenever he had a crowd of paying customers, he would put on this show of the Goro had gotten loose and he barely escaped with his life. So there is actually no documentation that he ever really had one. He was just basically charging people. And then when they showed up, he was like, oh, damn, it got away. Well, I'd be demanding my dang quarterback. I guess he felt like you paid for the show since he put on a good show. And Oh, my showed. gosh. 
But there is still talk in in around the Ozarks area that the Goro is still roaming around. So there you go. I would like to see that. I would like to see from what, afar. I would like to see. I'm gonna have to look up some pictures to see what it looks like. Yeah, definitely. That'd be a, an interesting look going on there. Obviously, we're not going to dwell on a lot of these things. It's kind of a somber show, like we said earlier. There's more important things going on. But we do have all of our live shows set up, including the cruise. If you want to see about any of them, we've got Indianapolis, Louisville, uh, Williamson, West Virginia, Bobby Mackey's, and then obviously the cruise. And uh, all those are available. They're up for sale right now. Uh, It's possible Chicago might be in the works, but that's... I'm not saying anything for sure right now, but we're trying. it's still in the works. It's still in the works. <laughs> but um, anyway, everything that is for sale, you can go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com. It's also where you can donate if you want to donate. And uh, go check that out. So, Tracy, what do you got going on over there? On our iTunes this week, we have Heather the Crazy Mail Lady. Nice. I love that. And thank you for your awesome review. We appreciate you. And our lovely Mojo Lobster, which never fails. He has a review for us every week, and we love it. Thank you guys so much for taking your time out to do that. And then uh, our Patreons this week is Courtney and Mandy Hill. Thank you guys for your patronage and everything you do for us. We can't thank you guys enough. Absolutely. All right, so let's listen real quick to Johan Weishup from Haunted Kentucky. All right, Tracy, that wraps up this week. Uh, Once again, thanks to all of you guys for everything you do for us. Uh, Everything is just overwhelming sometimes, and you guys make it easier. Yeah, you guys are awesome, and we always can depend on you. You know, we can say it a thousand times. We, We are so blessed to have you guys in our lives, and, you know, you truly, truly are a blessing. So thank you for all your donations. And we can't wait to go get the rest of it and uh, get it down there to those folks. Yep. And if we fill the car up, then we'll just drop it off and we'll go shopping somewhere close and buy more. That sounds good to me, honey. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. I love you guys. Y'all have a blessed week. Hey, guys. This episode originally aired back in November of 2021. And at this point of the episode, I actually had an interview on with a, uh, a person that uh, we have since learned, this is August 22nd, uh, was involved in some very heinous acts involving children. I refuse to name him, and I refuse to give him any credibility by having him on our episode for a second longer. Therefore, I have scrubbed any mention of him from this episode and have taken off the interview, and we'll just leave it at that. We do not condone any type of... um, foul activity towards anyone, but especially children. And um, there was no way possible that I could let this go a second any longer and give him any type of publicity whatsoever. So uh, thank you guys for understanding. Uh, Sorry the episode is shorter now, but trust me, you're better for it.